Welcome into Canel and Bell. I am Casey Kiernan filling in for Mr. Danny Canel. Where the heck is Danny? Who knows, man? Danny lives a pretty charmed life. He does. And we're watching Just a follow f- his Instagram. Yeah, football game, do- not having to dodge storms. Like he's all just, that stuff. Yeah. That is Danny Canel in a nutshell. Yep. So, uh, college football week one kicked off last night. We have Clemson absolutely rolled Georgia Tech. Um, Texas A&M rolled something called Texas State. <laughs> and here's the thing that gets me. It's like, I feel like these teams should be required to schedule something good in week one. You know what I mean? Like, my favorite teams to follow are yeah. Texas and USC. My wife went to SC. I'm from Texas. And Texas has Louisiana Tech. No offense. And USC has Fresno State. It's like you're excited, and then it's a little bit of a bummer. I know. I have mixed emotions, right? Because I, I too, would prefer teams to come out of the gate and give me, like, a real— And, and you like Miami. And we did. did. Except, here's what happened in that game. It was sloppy— it was ugly, and I don't. I think both teams in 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 one in 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 defeat and and one in um you know victory, yeah. victory would tell you that they were really sloppy and they made a whole lot of mistakes. So coming out of the gate and getting something that's a little easier to ease your way into the season with, and, and you can afford to make the mistakes and it doesn't cost you a game. There is a case to be made for that. So I, I do truly have mixed emotions on on coming out with some heat or or playing Texas State. Right, and well, Texas State. Yeah. By the way, I've seen lists where it lists like every 130 FBS program and they're last. They're 120. They're not 129. They're 130. Yeah, and uh, but it makes sense. College football doesn't have a preseason. Right. So in some cases, it, it makes sense for them to kind of ease in. Uh, so Clemson, ridiculous. Trevor Lawrence, he actually threw two picks and he threw four picks all of last year. Right. So that's, you know, not, not worrying, but he wasn't as sharp because I'm not worried about him. I don't think anyone is. He wasn't as sharp, but you know, he is the preseason Heisman favorite, co-favorite with Tua Tungavailoa. Do you think there's any chance Clemson is so dominant that it kind of does not allow him to win a Heisman? Um, I, I think. There could be a potential for that. I mean, you saw it last year with, with Tua. If he had played in a lot of those second halves, his numbers might have been so substantial that, that you know, you, you couldn't have made it. a case for Kyler Murray. Um, so there'll be some of that possibly, you know, with Clemson. You could even make an argument that he's not the best player on his team. I mean, he's the best pro prospect on his team, but in terms of like, college football production and impact like uh Etienne is, Travis Etienne is phenomenal. So you could make that case. I, I do think that this year, Trevor Lawrence could plateau a little bit. I don't know that he regresses, but you could see instead of like a sophomore slump, you could see a sophomore like plateau, if you will, where, you know, maybe some people, you know, have seen enough of him. Maybe they got a beat on him. Maybe they figured out what confuses him a little bit. And I don't think that's anything to be alarmed by. I think that's the growth. The kid is like 20 years old, maybe even 19. I don't know. Oh, no, Um, just turned 20. Just turned 20. So, you know, he's going through you know, a, a, a growth process of his own. And I think it would be okay if you saw a plateau. I can't guarantee it, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised if I did see some times where he came out, looked like a 19 year old and threw a couple picks. That doesn't take anything away from his, his draft stock or his yeah. potential, you know, number one, um, um, spot in the draft. And you make a good point. His plateau is like better than almost no, everyone correct. else's peak, correct. which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think that the hype is so there that people will want to, to give him the Heisman. You know what I mean? And we've seen a lot of times with these Heisman voters. Mm-hmm. Again, this is the third time I've said this this show. No offense, but they'll give like anyone a Heisman vote. And he's got so much of the hype. I feel like like MVP maybe in the NBA, it's like a guy earns an MVP and then he kind of becomes yesterday's news and it's harder for him to win and he has to outdo even his MVP year, right? Right. But the first time he wins the MVP, it's almost like anointing him. Okay, you are one of the best players in our sport. 
And I think with all the hype that Trevor Lawrence has, it doesn't matter how good his team is. I think he's going to get it this year. Well, the only case that I would make against that, um, and I do believe that I, there that, that you're onto something in terms of people wanting him to win that Heisman. Yeah. Like there's the when, narrative, correct? Um, if Travis Etienne keeps coming out and, and carrying the ball for 12 yards, 205 yards, three touchdowns, which is unrealistic, but if he has a a crazy season, um, you know, by running back standards. And Trevor Lawrence has a good season. I mean, his numbers weren't awful last night, but they weren't great. But if he's not putting up video game numbers, they might cancel each other out in the yeah. conversation. So it might allow someone else to pop up there and put up silly numbers and, and, and wind up winning the Heisman. And maybe it's Kellen Mond. He's the quarterback over at Texas A&M. Uh, the Aggies... Totally rolled. It was a push. Crazy. I think the, the, oh no, sorry. It wasn't a push. They, uh, they covered by one point. Oh, wow. It's like freaky how, no, that was a push. Clemson was covered by a point. It's freaky how spot on Vegas is. Like how the heck did they know that Clemson was going to win by about 37 points? They won by, by one point. Yeah. Uh, in that range. And then how did they know, Cle- uh, Texas A&M was going to win by that mark? Unbelievable. Uh, so about Kellen Mond. Uh, so he comes out and he has four total touchdowns. He actually had three touchdowns in the second half last year against yeah. Clemson. It was sort of his coming out party. Uh, he looked excellent. Just the athleticism on that, that throw to, to sort of ad lib out of the pocket and make that throw downfield. Yeah, moving to his left, dropped it right in the bucket. Yeah. Um, he, he's, look, he's, uh, you know, he's a highly touted, like, senior coming out of college, huge recruit. Um, if he takes that next step, in terms of passing, we talked about Trevor Lawrence possibly hitting some sort of plateau. Um, if Kellen Mond does not and continues on the trajectory, yeah. um, you know they could they could be a threat. It was a good game last year when they played when they played uh, Clemson. A two point win for Clemson at Kyle Field. I mean, it really would be a statement. Like they always say, a dude's got a Heisman moment. It would be his Heisman moment to go to Clemson and actually win that game. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know why. This is probably unfair because it's probably not true. But in my mind. Like Texas A&M has been that team, like with Johnny Man when Johnny Manziel was there, they've been that team that pops up and beats like the Giant. You know what I mean? Like so, it would fit the narrative at least that I have in my head that Texas A&M is that team that you know every three years or so they come in, they're not a top ten team, and you know, but and they're they're supposed to lose, and boom, they they wind up pulling a off big win. Kind of, yeah, they're gonna have so many chances to do that this year. They're only the fourth team ever to play the top three in the preseason yeah. in the same season. Oh, so wow. they've got Clemson, they've got Alabama, and they also have Georgia. They also have LSU. They have the toughest uh, schedule uh, in the nation, I think. So uh, interesting about Kellen Mond, I covered him when he was in high school in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and he was so good, uh, just head and shoulders above everyone. So he transfers to IMG Academy. Right. And when he left, instead of being like really happy for him, a lot of people were super salty. They burning jerseys, high school kids jerseys, equivalent of locally burning. Yeah, just kind of verbally, you couldn't get anyone to go on the record and say that. But behind the record, off the record, there were so many coaches, ex teammates, and all of a sudden. You heard all this stuff about his character uh, after he lost when you didn't before. Right, 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 right. Have you ever? He was yours. Have you ever experienced anything like that with maybe a high school kid getting an unfair rap or anything? Um, no, but I've experienced like oh, the the overall theme there is like when when someone is yours, um, and 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 you're not going to let any of that baggage out, right? Like you're going to prop them up. You're only going to highlight the positives of, of of the player and celebrate him. And then when he leaves. You know, the script flips and no longer are we celebrating the type of player he is, but we're going to find any, you know, any circumstance we can to kind of like 
beat up his character, right? Because right, yeah. not yours and you're salty that he left and there's a little bit of a hard feelings there. I think it's interesting though, cause he's back in Texas now. Do all of those fans now, like is San Antonio an A&M-ish town or are they? Oh, yeah. All right. So like it's all forgiven now, right? Like all the people that killed him on the way yeah, out. Probably. Right. And like I said, that's our guy. Right. 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 Guy. Uh, it wasn't everyone to be fair. It was just some people, uh, there in SA. Uh, so, uh, not a big night for the Pac-12, but Utah did beat BYU. It's their ninth straight game there, winning uh the Holy War. It was the 100th edition, mm-hmm. the ninth straight win against BYU. But Chip Kelly and UCLA looked awful. I mean, they lost against Cincinnati, and it, it wasn't even close like on the field in terms of talent, in terms of scheme. He's supposed to be this really up-tempo guy. Mm-hmm. We saw that at Oregon, so much so that, of course, he led the Ducks to the national uh title game. And so many people copied his system. Yeah. He got that NFL job. And then he takes a year off, goes to TV, and everyone's wondering, where's Chip Kelly going to land? Well, he lands at UCLA. They only win three games in his first season there uh, in Westwood. And everyone's saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. He's going to go in. He's going to recruit like he did at Oregon. And he's going to have this program rolling. But yesterday, yeah, they lost. Okay, Cincinnati was favored. But it was the way that they lost. Sure. It was ugly. They turned the ball over four times. They were a slow-moving offense, and it just was a really bad sign to start year two. Yeah, I am not convinced that Chip Kelly's heart is in that. If that's you know, like I, I don't know that it's fair to Chip Kelly, but it just doesn't feel like he's got the same investment in UCLA as he had in Oregon. Like he felt like Oregon for one reason or another when he was there, right? Like. You know, that bit of swag that he had, the unapologetic, like this is the way we do it type of thing. And he carried that over into the NFL. Yeah. I don't have the same, like I don't feel the same type of uh, emotion out of him when I watch UCLA play. I don't see the same guy. And so it begs the question for me at least mm-hmm. is whether his heart's really in that, whether it's the job, whether it's in just being in college again, whether it's UCLA in general. That would be the question I have. Clearly it hasn't worked out so far. And you would hope, obviously, rolling into the next year that – you would have found some recruits that kind of fit your profile and style that you want to play with. Even yeah. if they were young, you would start to see the framework of what this would look like going forward. Mm-hmm. And not seeing that is a concerning thing. Yeah, a bad look there for the Pac-12. Yeah. A really big weekend for them coming up with Oregon against Auburn. And then USC, after five wins last year, trying to come out of the gate against Fresno State and win their conference uh, last year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Casey Karen here with Raja filling in for Danny Canel. So it's a really big weekend for the big three. You got the championship game. It is the Killer Threes against the Triplets, three Eastern Sunday on CBS. 
And right now we are pleased to welcome in founder of the league, Ice Cube, and sidelines for the league, Michael Rappaport on CBS. Uh, so, Cube, we'll start with you. A uh, lot of rumors going on right now that 38-year-old Joe Johnson is getting all sorts of workouts with NBA teams, could make a comeback. How did that sort of fit in to your vision of the league right there when you started it? It's exactly what the, uh, you know, exactly what we envisioned when we started the league. Uh, we always felt like we are complementary league to the NBA, uh, a place for players who, you know, find themselves outside of the NBA. They can still showcase their talents at a high level. And of course, if the NBA ever came calling again, uh, you know, we would welcome that. And, you know, it happened for a player called Xavier Silas uh, last year. He got a 10-day contract with, with the uh, Celtics and was able to play. Um, and this time, Joe Johnson is getting a real look. Uh, but earlier this year, they looked at Amari Stoudemire, uh, Will Bynum. So a few of our guys are starting to get looked at by uh, some, you know, top-notch NBA uh, teams, we've had owners and, and coaches, NBA coaches and GMs come to the game. Uh, so we feel like, you know, this is exactly what the doctor ordered, exactly what the league is meant to do. Mike, let me uh, let me ask you a question because you will be on the sidelines. You'll be close to the action uh, this weekend in the in the finale. So you got the triplets. Killer threes. There's some big personalities on both sides uh, of that equation. What what are you expecting out of that game? Uh, I expect the championship to be very competitive. Uh, there are big personalities, uh, uh, but the killer threes led by Charles Oakley and Stephen Jackson uh, uh, going against Lisa Leslie, uh, Al Jefferson, and, and Joe Johnson we talked about. I expect uh, a smash-mouth, hard-nosed, competitive basketball. I think it's going to be a fast-paced game. Uh, uh, and, and it's going to be a, a really exciting championship uh, game to season three of the big three, the the best three-on-three uh, -three basketball league in the entire world. And I'm just looking forward to being on the sideline with unprecedented access. It's been a great season, uh, um, and I like to have fun with it. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to, to, to the basketball, and, and it's going to be on center stage live from the Staples uh, this Sunday. Yeah, you like to have fun with it. I think Katino Mobley likes to have fun with you too, huh? Was he acting in that? Because we couldn't tell, uh, here in the studio. Uh, well, I, you know, if it's acting, you know, maybe he should, uh, start thinking about maybe get, getting a sad card and, and doing it because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, my heart was beating and, uh, you know, he, he's very competitive. He's, uh, had a couple of injuries. He's had to sit out a few games. I don't know if that's what had him irritated. Uh, but he'll be playing in the, uh, the third, uh, the third place game on Sunday and I'll be asking my questions, doing my job. I'm a yeah. professional and I ask the questions and whatever, whatever happens, happens. Just like you guys know, you know, sometimes, uh, the, the, uh, the subject could be irritable. Uh, hopefully Katino will be in a better mood and be handle himself a little bit more like a pro. <laughs> oh yeah. That's fantastic. That's All right. Fine. Hey, Cube, I want to come back to you. Um, you know, kind of regarding the Joe Johnson thing, I think it ties into a major topic uh, that's been discussed in the NBA recently, which is Melo uh, getting another opportunity to possibly play in the NBA. So I would ask you, like, have, have you all or anyone from the league actually reached out to Melo with the possibility of playing in the Big Three and using it as that vehicle uh, to kind of showcase his wares to try to get back into the NBA at this point? Well, we haven't contacted Melo. You know, we think the league speaks for itself. Uh, we feel like 
you know, when players want to play in the big three, they know we're here and they'll come. Um, we think it's a great opportunity for him. Um, we know he expects to be back in the NBA, uh, but until then, you know, why not play in the big three? You know, why not uh, showcase your talents? You know, what's good about the big three, you know, a lot of our players are showing skills that they didn't have to show in the NBA. So they're showing different parts of their game. So he could probably come and do that. But we don't want to pressure any player into playing in the big three. Mm. We want guys who are hungry. We want guys who recognize the opportunity. And we want guys to let us know when they're ready. Um, and I think that's better for the league and the player uh, to just kind of be here when you're ready. Mm-hmm. All right. Cube, I want to stick with you on this one. Uh, so you mentioned Lisa Leslie earlier, obviously doing a great coaching job this year. Her triplets are in the championship game. She also won Coach of the Year. Uh, what do you think that honor says, not only about Coach Leslie, but also about the big three? Well, it's an award that uh, Nancy Lieberman won last year. She won Coach of the Year. This year, Lisa Leslie won Coach of the Year. And what's so good about this these awards is they're voted by their peers. This is something that the players and the coaches in the league voted on. So uh, I think it speaks for itself. It lets everybody know that gender has nothing to do with if you can coach basketball or not. Um, it doesn't take men to coach men. Women can coach men just like men can coach women. Uh, it's, it's just a no brainer. You know, we're not talking about it. We're being about it. And so the big three, we're all about inclusion. Uh, diversity is the word of the day. And we're all about progress. And this just shows, hey, you know, we put your, put your money where your mouth is and, uh, you'll get results. Very, very well said, Ice Cube there and Michael Rappaport. Uh, you'll see both of them likely on the telecast this weekend. Sunday, the championship game of the Big Three. It is the Killer Threes and the Triplets going down at Staples Center at 3 Eastern. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. We should say so. <laughs> right, and you the right jinx. Thanks for having us. So, uh, all right, uh, let's, let's take a hard right here. Okay. The NFL. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday, smooth. <laughs> why? Why? Here's my thing. Sometimes I'll try to like create. Why? Just What's go. The point? I know. Correct. They know. I'm with you. Uh, so your Miami Dolphins, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. starting quarterback. Go. They are not my Miami Dolphins number one, but I, they are my local team. I, this is okay with me. I, I know you threw it to me because you expected me to lose my stuff. What? Here's the deal. Hopefully they they have a plan. To let Ryan Fitzpatrick play a few games like he does every year and then roll out Josh, Josh Rosen. Like I, if this is going to be a situation where he's your starter unless he falls apart, I, I don't, I don't support it. You have to get Josh Rosen on the field. This is three games, four games. I, I haven't really looked at their schedule. Maybe they say, Hey man, Fitzy gives us the best chance to get through this stuff. Then we want to roll out, uh, Josh Rosen. I'm trying to give you a reason why, why like I'm not going to slam him this morning. Yeah. Josh Rosen has to play this year at some point. So, Fitzy, fine, early. Bring me Josh with the last seven games, last eight games. Let me get a beat on that. You need to get a beat on that. You need to know if you've invested in what could possibly be your quarterback of the future uh, and not be rolling into next year's draft uh, with draft capital 
not unsure as right. to whether or not you have him already on your team or not. So if the Dolphins plan, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, the plan is to start Ryan Fitzpatrick, see how this season goes early. I know every head coach wants to win now, especially a first-year head coach. He represents the best chance to do that. I will give you that. Like, you can have it. But you have to know and you have to have that plan in place to roll Josh Rosen out when inevitably, you know, it goes south and you guys aren't in it. You know, it's funny as Brian Flores, I'm like, but he's a first year head coach. He's got a little uh, time to work with. Actually, Josh Rosen, Steve Wilkes last year, the Cardinals first year head coach. Gone. He's gone. Yeah. yeah so that's going to, uh. I had so much hope for Josh Rosen when he came out of UCLA. Do you remember the comeback against Texas A&M? Dude, UCLA, Josh Rosen just led this huge comeback. I think it was like a historic comeback in the fourth quarter. Right. Uh, I'm sort of a West Coast guy. My wife is from Newport Beach. We lived out there for the better part of a decade. And so, you know, I watch all their games. Um, and when he came out, I thought the fact that what he had around him was awful in the, at the Cardinals, that was an excuse for me to say, you know, he is going to be as good as that number 10 overall pick. Yeah. But that offense was literally historically bad Terrible. across the board. I think it was points per game, yards per game, uh uh points allowed, 32nd, right? Mm -hmm. But now that he gets uh traded to the Dolphins and he can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the starting job, like now I'm I don't I, I'm a Josh Rosen believer and now that makes me doubt him. I am yeah, I hear you. I am a Josh Rosen believer also. I actually think he's done enough to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think sometimes in sports, um, and it, it's not just the NFL, um, if it's not like head and shoulders, they're going to, there are politics that are involved. You just, you just paid him $11 million, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah. right? Like you just brought him in, paid him $11 million. Like you, you're going to roll that out there if it's not a substantial um, gap by which Josh Rosen beat him out. But I do think he's done enough, Josh Rosen, um, as a young player to show you mm -hmm. that he deserves the reins to the Miami Dolphins. I think he's caught up in a bit of a political game right now. Um, and I'm just hoping, again, I'm hoping, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because it has not been good as of late, that they have a plan in place to get a little bit of their money's worth out of, out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe even help, you know, get Josh Rosen to where he needs to be if he's not exactly there right now. And then by week four or five, mm -hmm. um, maybe six, you see Josh Rosen out there and we can see what the kid can do because I believe in him too. All right. So they start the season September 8th against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, staying in the AFC. Mm -hmm. Josh Gordon, uh, Debuted yesterday for the Patriots. Second play from scrimmage, I believe, he catches a 19-yard pass. Yeah. And you know what they always say in sports. It's like, yeah, you'll get a second and third and fourth chance if you can play. And the dude can absolutely play, right? In 11 games last year mm -hmm. when he was on the field. Sorry, it wasn't 11 games. He was top 11 uh, in fantasy in the games that he played. Um, do you think that he deserves like a third, fourth, fifth chance after he keeps on repeatedly breaking the exact same rule with the uh, substance abuse policy? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I, I do. I always I always lean on the side of giving guys, you know, opportunities. And in his case, for, for whatever it's worth, feels a little different to me. Like there, there are some mental health issues that are there, I believe. Um, you know, and this is a... It's a, it's a deeper conversation with Josh Gordon for me. It's not purely about the football. It's about, you know, his life. You know, it's not like he's out there, you know, committing crimes and felonies and so right. on and so forth. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. seem like a criminal. It's just, you know, no, the yeah. guy's got a, 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 a you know, substance ab abuse. I know. Issue. So exactly. That's not a character. Uh, that's not a criminal issue. It's not a, yeah. I completely agree. But how the heck is a guy supposed to 
I don't know if learn a lesson is the right thing, but like if he keeps on like nothing. Well, I mean, he gets the chances, away. but they are taking stuff away. I mean, he's, like missed, what? he's missed years and years and of game football checks. and game. Yeah, he's missed a lot of money and a lot of opportunity to play True. football. And yet he continued to go back. Well, that's like, listen. It's like anything. If if you if you if you haven't banned him at this point, right? And that's I'm not making a case for you banning him. But if it, if you're the NFL and you've not banned him unequivocally, right? He is good enough and enticing enough as a talent that someone is going to take a swing at that. No doubt. And at that point, it's going to be on the relative cheap because, I mean, right. you know, he, he's been out of the league for a while. So, you know, when he's when he's healthy, both physically and emotionally, um, you know, he is a a really really productive big time receiver. Um, and it's going to be interesting with Tom Brady and the Pats because you had Demarius Thomas last night too. Would he go seven 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 catches for eighty seven yards? When Gronk left, you would have assumed. Like that took some of the bite out of their offense. You might be able to make a case right. that they've got more bite in their offense this year, possibly if those guys are right than they did last year. And to be clear, I am also rooting for Josh Gordon, yeah. not only to play well, but to hopefully be out of all that trouble. I just think if he trips up again, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like you know it, it could be on them for enabling him to continue. No, no, I it's, at some point enough is enough. I, I just I'm always going to be on the side of like a guy chance. Give him you know? another another yeah. chance. Yeah, uh, I want to go to the Texans, mm-hmm. but it's funny because. It also ties into our Dolphins conversation. So Jadeveon Clowney, obviously the number one overall pick. He's not like the most dominant pass rusher in the NFL, but he he certainly on his best day is as good as anyone. Yeah. Uh, so he wants out of Houston. Part of the reason is because they franchise tagged him, and you know everyone wants a long deal. They franchise tag him as a linebacker, yeah, not a defensive uh, end, dude. and he only played linebacker. I think like twenty five to thirty percent of the snaps last year. They're nickel and diming him, yeah. Because if you pay a guy and tag him as a D end, they make much more than a linebacker, right? right. So he wants out, and he met with the Dolphins in the trade talks. Is Laramie Tunsil, according to reports, their best? offensive player, let alone lineman, right? But now maybe the locker room will revolt, right? They they they're like, you're you're punting on the season for a guy who Clowney maybe doesn't even want to be here and you're gonna trade Tunsil. Have you ever been in a similar situation where you guys heard of rumors in the media and right. you guys all talked and said if this happens, we're gonna we're gonna say something. No, I've never really, I've never been in a situation like that. I mean, we've, we've, you know, you're always in a situation where you hear the rumors and you have your opinion as a team as to whether or not the player that would be coming in would fit with what you're doing or if it would give you a better chance, represent a better chance to win than the guy that's already there. Like, you know, you've always got those opinions and you may even, you know, uh, you know, have some discussions behind closed doors with teammates regarding it, but I've never been in one where, where we were so, Disapproving of it that we did, we decided we we would actually revolt or do something like that. You know what I mean? I don't even like, know what that means, revolt. Yeah, I, but right? there, there was a situation I think when when Mike D'Antoni decided to leave um, Phoenix and they were going to hire Terry Porter. Um, some of us had concerns about the style Terry was going to come up come in with, um, but it wasn't to the point where we needed to go to management. Those were just our personal concerns, whether or not Mike's approach to the game and what we had played under for the last. I don't know, three years or so, um, was going to fit with Terry's new mindset and, and whether we would be able to score the same way. But it so wouldn't have been to the point where we went to the team. To as the, a team? Yeah. Or as individuals? No, as I mean, as a collective group, not all of us, but maybe four or five of us have the discussion about, hey, man, how's this going to look going forward? You know, what do you guys think about that? But, again, that's not as a united front going into management saying, hey, we don't want a guy. We don't think this is going to work. If you bring him in, you know, we're going to leave. I, I just think this is an interesting – you know, it's an interesting conversation for the Dolphins and the Texans because 
you know, from the Texans' perspective, you, you have to go out there and get some protection for Deshaun Watson, right? If Deshaun Watson's ever going to have a chance to be a good quarterback in the NFL, uh, don't Andrew Luck him, right? Don't go out there and never put a line in front of him to where he's running for his life and he's injured every single year. And then the Dolphins are stuck in this situation with Brian Flores where you're like, hey, half of the team probably understands that this isn't going to be a winning season, yeah. right? Like you understand it. You never really want to admit that as a player because you're playing for your livelihood, but you kind of understand the writing's on the wall. Yeah. Um, and then the other half is like, no, we want to win like right now. I don't have the time to wait for that. Yeah. Um, and so th- that's interesting. I would say to Brian Flores and the Dolphins, run your show. I don't, I don't give a damn what the team's talking about. You revolt if you want to. Yeah. This is my team. You're right. And I'm not going to be hold, held hostage by any of you or your demands. And if you don't like it, kick rocks. Yeah. Uh, so producer Joey, he was a part of that Charlotte team a few years ago. Not a great season. Sure. Joey, do you, do you have, uh, any stories about maybe a locker room revolting or anything I, like that? I have a few. I have plenty of stories from my Charlotte days, but we had a, we had a coach. I won't, I mean, you could figure it out by, you know, looking back over the years. And you'll tell me later. Yeah, and I'll tell you guys later. But I, um, at the beginning of the season, he gave out silver dollars to every player on the team. And it was sort of like his, he said his dad gave him a silver dollar when he was a kid and he held on to it. And was this the head coach? This, this, this was the head coach. This was the head, head coach. coach. Oh. He said his dad gave it to him and it was important. So if I, if he gave you a, so he gave it to everyone, staff, players, everything. He was like, if I give you this, that means you're my, when you're my friend, you're my friend. And when yeah. I give you this, and we got about, I want to say it was 30 games into the season. It was Raj. I think it was at the 12 minute mark, you know, before the game, when you come in and you're about to go back out. Yeah. And we walked in before the head coach got in there and all the silver dollars were stacked up in the middle of the locker room. Oh. And one of the assistant coaches had to basically beg them to take back the silver dollars because we. Was it the head coach's brother? No, no, no. Oh, no, it wasn't Larry. Well, no. I'll give you that. It wasn't Larry. Larry. It wasn't Larry. Right. It wasn't Larry Brown. It wasn't Larry Brown. I, was her, say, he never gave me I don't know. Cause I don't know. Honestly, I think Herb, Herb might have just let it go. Uh, Herb might have let Herb might have just let it go. It was not Larry Brown's brother. No. But so that cuts it down for you. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a funny story. Hey, look, when, when guys, and it happens in NFL locker rooms, like yeah, coaches, you get so long, especially when you're new or you've got a new group of guys to prove that you're kind of worthy of that and if of the position if you're a coach and guys can see through stuff uh, they they can tell when you're not sure and I've said this on air it's no secret they can tell when you're not sure when you're standing in front of them and you're second guessing yourself they can tell real quickly if you get in a huddle um or there's an end of game situation and you don't have a quick and they answer don't or response you. they don't they lose it quickly and so I've been on teams like that we've never handed back silver dollars or anything right. like that but I've seen that as well but you want to be led by someone who's confident and knows where they're going I, regardless probably if it always works out oh I've said it I, listen I used to say I'm not going to say any names either. I'm not going to do it. But I used to say to people, hey, look, whatever you say, say it with authority. Say it like you mean it. Yeah. Say it like it is the, the the gospel. And it doesn't matter whether it works or not. Yeah. No one's going to be questioned whether you believe that or not. It also but works you, in politics. Yeah, if you get up there and you're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, my God. Forget and even that. if it works, even if it works, they're questioning you now because you weren't really, you know, you don't yeah. look like you have command of this. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, so let's, let's shift over to the Cowboys now because Jerry Jones had a big time quote yesterday where he said he's basically accepted that Ezekiel Elliott is not going to play in that first game against mm-hmm. the Giants and games after that. And first of all, do you do fantasy football? I don't, but we are, oh. Joey says he's cultivating the league for us this weekend. Am I correct, Joe? Because, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. 
We okay. Some my boys want to play. My youngins want to play. The issue is that so many people drafted Ezekiel Elliott there with the fourth overall pick. He may not play. And for the Cowboys, like, here's Jerry. He keeps saying, oh, we need him for the playoffs. It's like, dude, you got to get to the playoffs. Yeah. And Ezekiel Elliott is their best offensive player. He is, but I think you're looking at your what you perceive as Jerry as a relatively weak upfront schedule. And you think, you know, if you have a healthy O-line, which by all accounts they do right now, that you yeah. might be able to, you might be able to squeeze a few wins out. That is the game of chicken that's being played right now, right? Ezekiel Elliott sitting back saying, you make one misstep, um, and you feel that, 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 that pressure starting to ratchet up. That's, that's motivation for you to get my deal done. You know, you need me to win the games that we need to win. And Jerry's like, Hey man, we win four. You know, out of the first five or what have you, then great point, right? And so that's that proverbial game of chicken that they're playing: Giants, Redskins, Dolphins. Then it gets tougher with the Saints uh, and with the Packers. It would be great, man. Those first three games you mentioned soft schedule. Tony Pollard comes out and goes just like two hundred yards. <laughs> like, can you imagine what it would be like? I, I be like forget it. Forget Zeke, stay in Cabo. Tony's our guy making 600k, by the way. Yeah, I mean, and you gotta pay Dak, you gotta pay Byron Jones and Amari Cooper. Like, I would welcome that, even though I kind of like the Cowboys. Like, I think that would just be fun to watch. It would be fun for everybody except Ezekiel Elliott and so his what? camp. No <laughs> I like Tony Pollard's a nice guy. It's kind of like what I said about Le'Veon Bell last year and. um um, James Conner, the yeah. guy that replaced him in Pittsburgh. Yes. Very nice back. Like, very nice back. But I don't know that he, he, he has the ceiling of, of Le'Veon Bell, right? And so, like, Pollard is great. Like, I, I think it's a great story. He could be a nice supplementary back. Could he probably even be a good, uh, first string back, but not a great one? And Ezekiel Elliott is, is, is one of the great ones right now. He's one of three backs that we could have a conversation about probably that are best in the league. And so, you know, I, Jerry Jones and company knows that. They know that they might be able to get lucky and get through those first four games. But ultimately, when you're Jerry Jones, you're the star, you're a brand like that. It's really not about making the playoffs. I mean, it is in any other year where you don't expect to win a championship. But when you have some pieces where you think you might be able to win one, you, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't risk that. You have to go out and try to get it done because that window closes really quickly. Yep. Uh, Tony Pollard, as we said, making 6K. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott wants to be the highest paid running back in the league. And you mentioned he's one of the best. Two of his three years in the league, he's been the the, the leading rusher in the NFL. So it's going to be a really fun first three games to see if Tony right. Pollard can make up that ground. You don't yeah. that? Yeah, no, I love it. You love Danny it. never appreciates it. It's his, like so your like, branding. Yeah. It's, it's like, like yeah. yeah. All right, so, hey, we're back on Canel and Bell. I'm Casey Kiernan filling in for Danny Canell. We're talking about... The top NBA players five years from now. I know. This is ridiculous. I don't know. This is a this is list who knows? put out by NBC Sports, which is great. A little uh, cross-promotion there. Uh, so let's go to their top 20. Okay. And we're going to start with 20 through 11. Let's go. Let's throw them up. Let's throw them up. They got Pascal Siakam, Chris Stops, Harden still up there, who will be 34 years old. He's the oldest so far on the list. Yeah. Bill, Jaren Jack, you see him. You got any problem with this? Um, no. I mean, reshuffling the decks here and there for a few points here and there, but no, ultimately not really. Not okay. going to nitpick with you. I agree. James Harden, his game definitely translates. All right. All right. So 10 through 6, you've got Trey, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Carlton Towns, Kawhi Leonard. What do you think? Yeah, um, Kawhi at 33. The only thing that wow. gives me pause there is the injury history with Kawhi. He looked like he was dragging a little bit down the stretch, although he was phenomenal. Um, Ben Simmons, I think, should be higher than that. Ben Simmons, I have in my top five. 
So about Kawhi, you know, the defense is part of what makes him such a great player, maybe yeah. like a top two player right now. That will start to take a hit. Exactly. Yeah. But does he go from top two, you know, a little lacking on defense from his normal standard and just go to six maybe? Possibly. And I think part of that may have to do if he continues to win championships, especially in L.A. or right. wherever else he goes. Right. Uh, Trey Young at 10. I love that pick. Uh, not only because I think his team is going to be really, really good in five years mm-hmm. with all the young talent that they have, but his game, uh, again, will translate. And, and I love the sort of dual threat of how great he is as a passer and how great he is as a scorer, too. And I love that that translated to the NBA, yeah. right? Because he was the NCAA leader in passing, assists, sure. and uh, and just scoring. And at first, we weren't sure if it was going to translate so happy for him because he seems like such a cool kid that it translated. Yeah, I, um, I always thought it would translate. The question was going to be with a smaller guard like that, how long it took you to acclimate to the size and speed of the NBA, right? That's what it, that's what it becomes about. But I, I, I watched him play a lot at Oklahoma. He led the country in assist and he had a bunch of guys that didn't really finish. And we're not you know what ever I mean? sure like what to think of that right. at that age. And, but I mean that's pretty remarkable when when you're still leading the country in assists and you got guys around you that aren't aren't really finishing for you. That right. that just spoke to how well he passed the ball. And the range and the ability to shot make was on full display. It's like Steph Curry. It's, it's silly. So yeah, I like that. Um had they don't have their their uh nine through like they don't have the other ones? No. But that's just a detail, and that's not going to stop us from going five through one. All right. By well, the way, do you think uh, Trey shaves the head by then? I hope he does, because it's was that was that is he, is, is he like the thinnest that haired nineteen year old? And does he not? Here's my thing. Does he embrace it like uh, AD in the brow? Like he thinks maybe like it's his thing. Like, and I don't mean to be throwing shade because I have a son with alopecia. So, like, if he grew all of his hair out, yeah, um, there would be huge spots of thinness because he he has alopecia. It's a real thing. Yeah, I don't have any background on Trey. I don't know, but it looks really thin. Yeah, maybe. no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but he is one of the best players now and will be in yeah. five years. We all agree on that, but we disagree on the top five. Joey, let's bring you in because you're going to start us off with your top five. Who you got in order? Oh wow, I was, that caught me. I wasn't ready for that. Um. Uh, no, I, I wasn't ready to go first. I mean, it's not my show. But, hey, um, I'm going to go. I have three guys that are locks. I got right. Giannis, mm-hmm. one, 82, Luka, three. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go Ben Simmons, four, just because I'm so caught up in these workout videos where he's knocking down threes, right. these pickup videos. And if he could even get a decent jumper, he's going to be so good. The fifth one was tough. Uh, they had Kawhi six. I'm gonna go with Kawhi at five and just hope that when he's 33, he's healthy. But there was a guy that I considered for about a minute, but he just hasn't played enough. Jaron Jackson Jr. I think can be so so incredible in this league. People compare him already to KG, Bosh. I think he's got like Anthony Davis type skill level when he develops, and he he was great as a rookie. I think. He could in five years. I mean, he's 19 years old. He'll be 24 years old by then. It's a yeah. very interesting name. Yeah. Um, how old is Paul George, by the way? Uh, you know? 29. He's not, he didn't even, he wasn't even represented on that. Was he even on that list? Not on the top 20, but they, it's a top 50. So, but we're right. just looking at top that. Top 20. Top. I would, I would so, say that's a miss. I think that's a miss. Who is in your top five? Who's in your top five? So my top five is Zion Williamson <laughs> for five. What? Okay. I'll tell you. Oh, what's okay. Me, what? What? I thought, I thought you said I thought you were doing one. I thought you said Zion was no, one. No, Oof, no. I was scared. Listen, no. I was going Giannis, Ben Simmons, 
Luka Magic AD face the Lakers, by the way. So he, he'll probably win uh, that most votes for the MVP. I bet you he's picking the all-star uh, teams in a few years. And then Zion at five. Okay. I mean, uh, I'm going to go, and this is in no particular order, just because I didn't want to. Yeah. And it, I am the only person whose name is on the show right now. So take that. Go for it. <laughs> oh, no, I got Giannis. I agree with you guys. For the, um, Giannis, Ben, Luca, AD. And my fifth, which was really difficult, I agree with you both. I went with, uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, I think now this is, this is taking injury, uh, you know, like, it, or a possible injury out of the equation. Like Joey seems to he's think not an injury. He's guy. not an injury guy, but Joey thinks, you know, potentially, you know, he doesn't have the most chiseled frame, right? And so, but that doesn't mean anything. So I'm going with Jokic. He is as skilled a big man as there is out there. His passing ability, his vision, Shooting. all of that. He is super skilled. And, um, yeah, I think he's going to be really, really good. Now there I was no Zion, yo. What's up with that? First of all, I don't know that Zion is going to be what everyone thinks he's going to be, but I think he's going to be really good. But I need to see some. I got to see it. Like I can't. And summer league isn't. It doesn't do enough for me. So I, you're gonna have to give me a little bit of a of a teaser. Ask me after right. like, you know, all star break. That's what we said when we saw the dunk hype videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's not gonna translate to college. Dude shoots up to the undoubted number one overall pick in the NBA draft. And now they're doubting him again, they. You and Joey are doubting hey, him. Casey, we talked about this before the show. Even I'm his, not, even his peers don't agree. I know. Cam Reddish, who, who Debo, by the way, thinks is going to be top five in five years. Cam Reddish, just so you guys know. There you go. Okay, Debo. I, his peers said, who's going to win rookie of the year? Zion. Yeah. Cause he's the, the most, he's the most physically ready to do it. Who's going to have the better career? They didn't pick Zion. I think that has a lot to do with what franchise he's on because that has a lot to do with how your career turns. I don't think rookies are thinking at a, in, in depth like that. I'm giving them too much. Uh, yeah, credit. I think you're giving the rookies way too much credit. They, um, Zion's gonna be a, a nice player, man. I just I need to see that he is physically like big and strong, and even in a in a in a in a preseason type of um, summer league situation, yeah. it translated. But again, you're playing against a lot of rookies, a lot of second year NBA players. When you start playing against that eight year pro who is a a grown man too. I don't know that it translates, it translates at the same level. I'm not saying that it won't, but at the same level. And you're, like, we're talking about top five players in the NBA. Like, if you say to me he's top, I don't know, 30, 25, I might co-sign on some of that, but I don't know that I'm ready to say without any real evidence that he's going to be top five in the NBA in the next five years. Agreed. Real quick, before we finish this topic, guys, I wanted to ask you, so I think Steph was like, 20, oh, I have it right here. Steph was 31 on this list. LeBron's 40. Is there any reason to think that LeBron, as good as he is now, that he couldn't at least be like top 15, top 10 in five years? And then he's 39, though. And then it'll be 39. And then Steph, I mean, the shot's not going to go away. Ste- yeah, Steph could still be in there. The, the, I didn't do any of the current players um, much favors because I couldn't tell what age they would be five years from now. Like, I didn't do the research. So, um, <laughs> but I, like, LeBron, I would doubt. That he'd still be a top ten player at forty. He's gonna be like back to the basket. Yeah, I mean your game really has to start it like changing dramatically when you get to forty. And if anybody can do it, it's him. But that's a lot of miles for a dude at forty years old, he's, man. He's a back to the basket type guy who can still dish it. We were talking about how great uh Trey Young is with the assist, so is LeBron, obviously. Is that a top ten type guy? He'll be a leader, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't I, know if that's factor. I, I, I don't know. 
you know, you'd have to, the, the game's really not even played like that anymore where you go through exactly. a back to the basket guy. So you'd have to cultivate a whole offense to kind of revolve around that. And I, and quite frankly, I don't know at 40 years old, you know, Mike played that late and, and the Wizards, you know, we're still trying to get him the ball because it was Mike, but it, and he was producing to some degree, but it wasn't really translating into right. any type of wins or anything, you know? And you know, but you know, what's funny is like, yeah, Mike definitely was not a top 10 player at the end, but dudes take care of their bodies so much better, especially than he did. Right? Yeah, no, that's true. I just called him Mike. That's true. Like, yeah. I'm like, I was like, you're cool with him. Mike. Yeah. That's what you said. That's your guy. Steph, his athleticism. Do you think that will because we know the shooting will stay? No, at you know how much he runs around. He's only going to be thirty-one in five years. Like I don't think that's. I think thirty-one. You're fine. When I was thirty-one, I was fine. Like that's why I was asking about Paul George because I, I like, you know, your early thirties as an NBA player. That's wheelhouse. Like you're not you're not old yet until you start to get to the you know mid mid thirties, late thirties. Yep. All right, that's our top five.